The prophet in the previous chapter went as a judge to the neighboring nations. And having finished with them, he reads them their doom in the previous eight chapters. But he returns to the children of Israel and receives instructions what he was to say to them. And God lets them know what office he was as a prophet, that of a watchman. Tells us there in the verse 7, So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. He was to be a watchman. He was to be God's man giving God's message, God's warning to this people. That was his job. That was the job of a watchman. He was to stand out and listen and look around him to see if danger was coming. He was to look out to see if the enemy was coming in. He was someone who warned the people of danger. This was a tremendous responsibility. Because he was accountable for the souls of men. But over there in Spain, there's a, a town called Segura de la Sierra. And there's a great castle right perched on top of the mountain. And that was where the queen of the Moors went in uh, to that castle. She lived there. And whenever she went in there, she felt safe. And that's why it's called Segura. Segura means safe in Spanish. And uh, the whole area is called Segura. We lived in Bes de Segura. That was the way into Segura, into that area. And there's the port of the Segura, is the door of Segura. Uh, that's the door of that area. That's another town. There was uh, different towns, they're all called of Segura. And the Queen of the Moors lived there. Uh, and it's a tremendous big castle, it's enormous. Maybe some of the folk here that were with the missionary council that time that they came over, we went up to that castle. And, uh, but down in the valley, down around in the plain, there's these towers, square stone towers. And that's where the watchmen were put. And they were there so that they could see the enemy coming, they could warn the people in the castle and warn everybody around so that they would run to the castle and hide in the castle because it was a tremendous fortress. I don't know how anybody would have fought against that castle, especially in those days. But that is the way they worked back then in the medieval times. There was watchmen and they had a look out. Of course, intelligence is very, very important in the time of war. Now we have these satellites that can even uh, see things on the, on the ground the tremendous lenses on these satellites and uh, there's all sorts of technology now to get intelligence to find out what the enemy is doing there's all these spies that are there to to try and find out what the enemy is doing so it's very very important but back in those days they just had a man and of course if he saw the enemy come he scrambled up this tower he would light a fire he would scramble up the tower pull the ladder up after him and hope that they wouldn't knock down the tower and get him. But uh, that was the, the job of the watchman. He was there to warn of the danger, the tremendous danger of the enemy coming in. And a watchman was especially chosen for his credentials. And what were the credentials of a watchman? Well, he had to be someone with good eyesight. 
You wouldn't put a blind person up there, somebody short-sighted. You needed somebody who could see a good distance, who could see clearly, and could see the enemy come. Because they needed the most time possible to prepare for the enemy to come. They needed to be warned well in time. And uh, he would be somebody who wouldn't be a sluggard. Somebody that they could depend on. They didn't want somebody that would be up there and nobody could see him and he was sitting there sleeping. No, it had to be somebody that had a consciousness, a consciousness of the importance of his job. Although he was just looking. He wasn't doing much. He was just looking around, but he was looking out for the enemy. He was looking out to warn the people of the enemy coming. So he had to be trustworthy. And he would have to be somebody who lived in the borders of the land. Somebody that who knew, well, that's Johnny, and that's, that's Patrick, and that's Francis. And so he wasn't going to be lighting a fire every five minutes. He sees somebody. No, I know him. I know him. That's okay. But he would know the enemy. He would know the enemy at first sight. And he would be able to warn the people. He would know the enemy. Imagine what would happen if the enemy came and the trumpet was not blown. We could describe the scene as they would creep in and attack by surprise. And the people not prepared to defend themselves. It would be too late. There would be slaughter. There would be bloodshed and slaughter. And is that not the way? The enemy would creep in. Who is the first person they want to kill? The watchman. They want to get rid of him first. They don't want him to warn of their presence. And so they would sneak in and try and get him first. Knock him out. Before he would sound the trumpet. And friend, that's why we as ministers of the gospel are under attack. There are so many who have been attacked and have fallen because the devil knows if he can attack the minister and get him to fall, well then the sheep, the, the shepherd, if he can get the shepherd, the sheep will be easy pickings. That's why you should pray much for the minister. Pray much for your minister that the Lord will keep him faithful, keep him strong, keep him that he'll not dilute this message. That he'll not try and just get in with the people, but that he'll truly be a watchman and warn the people of the dangers of sin and what sin can bring. They have to be a person who loves the Lord, a person who loves souls. And this, is, this was that watchman. The watchman had to be somebody who really realized the importance of their work. But you know, today... I am going to be a watchman. Because in the words here of Isaiah 58, one that says there, uh, I'm going to blow the trumpet. The verse says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. That's not an easy job to do. To show the people of God and the people around us of their transgressions and their sins. Nobody likes to... To have that pointed out to them. But they have to know the danger that sin will bring upon them. That is the responsibility of every preacher. That is my responsibility and the responsibility of every preacher. Is to warn. Warn of what is coming. If the people go on in their sin. And my first point is. The fact that there is a watchman. Demonstrates that there is an enemy. If there was no danger, well, the watchman would be wasting his time up there. 
What would the use of a watchman be if there was no such thing as danger? But the very fact that there is a watchman shows that the enemy is there. And the enemy could come at any time. Friend, what is that enemy? The enemy is death. Death could come at any time. Death could come even tonight. He could be lurking round the corner. It could be a car that's already started down the road and is coming this way. Who knows? Who knows what, where that, 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 that pale horse, horseman, will, when he will strike. Friend, as it says there in, in Revelation 6 and in the verse 8. Revelation 6. And the verse 8 it says there. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and the name that sat on him was death. And hell followed out with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beasts of the earth. That pale horse is coming. That pale horse is coming, and is coming for each one of us. Friend, are you ready? Are you ready? Hell. We read of a story of a man who went to hell in the word of God in Luke chapter 16. In Luke chapter 16, uh, we read of a rich man and he had a great life of it. He says he ate sumptuously every day. He just had partied every day because he must have had some sort of business. The money was coming in great. He could just do what he liked. And he, every day, just had a party. Invited his brothers round, invited all his friends round. They, they drank of the best wine. They had the best food. And my, he was just the talk of the town. And everybody thought he was wonderful. But there was an old man, an old beggar that lay at his gate, Lazarus. And I'm sure that probably made him mad. That old man's lying outside my house and has taken the, the bad look of my house. And... Um, but you know what? That old man died. And I'm sure the rich man was glad. Oh, he could go in now and out without any conscience. He didn't have to, uh, his conscience wasn't pricked. He, he, and that old man was out of the road. And then our dogs that were licking him, well, they're gone too. And my, now we can see a good view of my house. And he was delighted. But it says that the rich man died also. Not long after that, the rich man died. And he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. He went to hell. He went to hell. There was no water in hell. Because he asked if Lazarus, that old beggar, could be sent down and just to dip his finger in, in water just to cool his tongue. But it was denied him. He wasn't asking for his fine wines and his champagne and what have you. No, all he wanted was just a little drip of water to cool his tongue because it was tremendous in the awful flames that he was in. But it was denied him. Why? Because there was a great gulf fixed. There was no way that Lazarus could go down to him nor that he could come over to Lazarus. There was a gulf fixed. And then he says, you know, we'll then send Lazarus to, to my brother's. My brothers, 
they're, they're, they're at home and send Lazarus to tell them so that they'll not come to this awful place. And they say, no, they have Moses and the prophets. They've got the preachers of their day. If they don't listen to them, if, they don't, if they're not persuaded by one of them, they'll not be persuaded even by Lazarus rising from the dead. And he says, oh, send Lazarus. Send Lazarus because they indeed will repent. He knew the gospel. He knew the gospel, but it was too late. He said, if one went for them from the dead, they will repent. He realized that they had to repent from their sin, from their awful way of life. He knew by the way that his brothers were living, that they would die and go straight to that same place where he was. And he didn't want that. He didn't want that for anybody. But especially for his brothers who he knew the way they lived. He knew what, they were, what way they were. And he knew that they would go straight to where he was. But that was the night of All his prayers were of no avail. Because they were too late. They were all made too late. This is an unstoppable enemy, friend. And it gets near every day. Every day that passes is a day closer. You don't know when it'll strike. Well, secondly, the watchman, he couldn't stop the enemy. That wasn't his job. His job wasn't to start, get down there and start fighting the enemy and stop them from going against the rest of the, of the people. No, all he had to do was to warn that was his job. His job was to warn the people of its nearness. That it was coming. That is all he could do. But it was vitally important that he would do that. It was vitally important that he would do that. And then we see man's responsibility. Man's responsibility was that they had to act according to this warning. They had to believe they could hear the trumpet and then they had to make, they had to realize that they have to prepare and flee from the wrath to come. And friend, that is man's responsibility. All I can do is warn you. I can warn you of what is coming. That there is going to be death and then the judgment. That is what the word of God tells us. Oh, many people say, oh, we don't know what's going to happen after death. Well, the God has told us. God has told us here in this word, in this book. He has written it down in black and white. What is going to happen after death, the judgment? And if you haven't got a lawyer like the Lord Jesus Christ, you're lost. You have nobody to speak on your behalf. Praise God, Christ is one who can speak on our behalf. And he can say, yes, Lyle Boyd is a sinner, a vile sinner. He deserves hell. But I paid for his sin on the cross. And praise God, he accepted that payment. Oh, I know why I don't deserve it. I deserve hell. But praise God, Christ took my punishment on his own body on the tree. And because of that, and only because of that, I will go into heaven. Praise God, we are sure of that because we have the promise 
of God and they are true. They are yea and amen. Man's responsibility is he must believe and receive Christ. He must act according to the warning. He must realize that this is true. I know there's many Christians and they think, well, man can't do anything. But if God's going to save them, God will, let them, God will save them. Friend, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to take this message. To take the message to the people. It says there in the verses 4 and 5, Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet, and taketh not warning, if the sword come, and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. He shall deliver his soul. Praise God, all those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. It's no, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. It is a sure thing. All those who come unto the Lord by him shall be saved. They will be received. That is the promise that we have. But if they go on in their sin, if they ignore the trumpet, if they ignore the warning, and just think they can go on living, thinking they'll never die, that day, oh, it's a long way off, I want to enjoy myself. Well, they'll have it coming to them. Yes, I remember hearing of a young girl who went to a mission and the preacher was faithful in preaching, sending out that warning, and she knew she needed to be saved. And she wept sorely after one of the meetings, and they persuaded her to accept Christ, but she wouldn't. She thought she was young, and she thought she had her whole life ahead of her, and she wanted to enjoy herself. She still had friends in the world, and they wanted to go to the dances, and they wanted to have a good time, and she enjoyed that life, and she didn't. She says, I'm too young, I don't want to settle down yet. Later on that week, the Thursday, she was down on her hands and knees, scrubbing the floor with a scrubbing brush, and she just slumped over the bucket dead. 18 years old. 18 years old. Yes, friend. There's many a person who think they have plenty of time, like that farmer who had a bumper crop. He didn't know what to do. He said, I've so much, I've no place to put it. I'm going to have to tear down my barns and build bigger. And then he'll say to my soul, soul, the many goods just for many years. Eat, drink, and be merry. Just live it up. Take it easy. Have a good time. And everybody, oh wow, what a, what a harvest you have. That fellow there, he had his head screwed on. Look how the Lord is blessed. But what did the Lord say? Thy fool, this night, thy soul shall be required of thee. Thou fool, this night, thy soul shall be required of thee. Then... What is all, all this stuff? Who's going to own it? Hmm? How many there are like that? They're living it up. You think of years. I know even a neighbor there that we had in Spain. I can remember talking to him one day. And I noticed he had a cut just here. On his forehead. And I says... Uh, what happened to you? Oh, he says, I was working out in the garden and I tripped and I fell right. Oh, I just 
I don't know what happened, but I just woke up and I was lying on top of the wheelbarrow. He just fell over and bang, hit his head in the wheelbarrow. He just passed out. And I said to him, where would you be if that was death? Oh, and all the rest of us, oh, all that nonsense about dying and about heaven and hell, and he just didn't believe. And that man, he paid a good bit extra every month so that he have a big pension, that he'd be able to live it up after he finally could settle down. As soon as he retired, he was three years on an oxygen thing. He had the skin of his lungs was growing and growing and he could hardly breathe and he passed away. That was his pension. Three years of misery before he died. He died unrepentant. Plenty of money in the bank. Plenty of money now that his new wife is now uh, uh, spending. But where is he? Where is he? Friends, it's a serious thing. Because if he is unrepentant, if he never heeded that warning, he's in the same place as that rich man in the flames of hell. And he'll never, ever, ever get out. It's a forever. Can we take that in? Eternal punishment. Punishment that will never end. Pain that we can't even imagine that will never ever end. You have all your consciousness. You have your memories. You remember your family. You remember this man remembered all. And he knew he was there forever. That's an awful thing. Just the very thought of that was enough to torment anybody. To know that you can never, ever get out. This will never end. We cannot hardly even imagine something that will never end because we live in a world where everything has its beginning and ending. But this is no ending. It will last forever. It is the just punishment of God on sin. Because man has rejected God. Rejected Christ, his son who died in the room and in their stead. And they may try and think that they can pay for it here. But let me tell you, you'll never pay for it. Indeed, you'll go to hell and pay for it forever and ever and ever. And you'll never reach a day whenever God will say, you've paid enough. Come on up. The Church of Rome invented that doctrine of purgatory. Thinking, oh, you can pay the wee bit extra yourself and then whenever God's satisfied, he'll take you out of purgatory and take you into heaven. It's a fable. It's a lie. It's not in the word of God. It's not in the word of God. Yes, that rich man is still there. And that rich farmer, he had had his barns full, bursting. And yet, where is he? Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Friend, I tell you to come to Christ. 
to come to Christ at this very minute because I cannot even guarantee a minute of life. The very breath you take, the next breath you take, is a gift of God, and God can withhold it whenever he wants. It wasn't, hasn't been the first time that someone has died even in a meeting. I cannot guarantee you another minute, but never mind another day. I say to you, come. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow might never come. Come to Jesus. He died for sinners. He died. He died for sinners like you. The verse 11 says, of this chapter says, Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? Why is there so many who don't want to turn, who don't want to repent, who don't want to leave their sin? Because they love their sin. They love their sin. It's in the part of their nature. And I know there is a certain enjoyment in sin because it is our nature. But we must repent. We must see it for what it is. It is an awful danger for our souls and we must put the sword to it. But friend, Christian, we are called, we're all called to be watchmen. Not just the preacher. We know what the Bible says. But do you really believe it? Do you believe that folk will die and go to hell forever and ever and ever with no end? Do you believe it? And if you do, what are you doing about it? What are you doing to warn those people to repent and to flee from the wrath to come? Is your trumpet sounding out the sure sound? Are you scared of lifting up your voice? I remember I was very scared to get up in front of anybody to tell them the story of Jesus. And I remember uh, whenever we were in college in Cypress Avenue, we would have helped Noel Stevenson there with the, with the children's meetings. And uh, there was 360 children, and I'm telling you, that it was chaos sometimes. These children are coming from broken homes from really hard areas in, in Belfast. And we would go around the bus collecting these folk. And some of them didn't know who their fathers were. But you know, I would have maybe got up now and again. Noel would have got me up to hold the, up the choruses and the memory verse and things. The bit by bit getting me used to being up at the front. But then he says to me one day, he says, Lyle, you're taking the meeting on Thursday night. And I said, no way, no way, I'm not ready for that. No way, I couldn't do that. Lyle, you're taking the meeting on Thursday night. And I said, oh. So I thought, what am I going to do? And I panicked and I worried. And I'm telling you, I must have lost a stone weight that week. But I went over that story and over that story. And I said, if, if I lose these children, it'll be chaos. And I'll look a real fool and all the thing. And it got near to Thursday. And I can remember on Wednesday, after dinner, Noel come over to me and he says, Lyle, well, how are you getting on with the story? Well, he says, I'm still going over it. He says, Lyle, whenever you're up there tomorrow and you're looking down at all oh, that sea of wee faces, he says, you remember this. The majority of those children will go to hell. The 
the majority of those children will go to hell. And when I thought that, right up until that point, I was only worried about one person. That was me. Of making a fool of myself. I really wasn't worried about the children. I was worried about me, about my performance. But friends, that made me look at things different. And that next day, I get up there and I didn't care about Lyle Boyd. And I realized these children needed the gospel. They needed the truth. They needed to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And praise God, 11 little children professed faith that night. Not because of me. Because of the Spirit of God. But friends, what are you doing? Do you realize... Do you realize the tremendous price that people are going to pay for going on in their sin? What are you doing? What are you doing to see them one for Christ? You know, there's many places in this world where there's no witness. Maybe you're not called to go to the foreign fields or anywhere else. But maybe you could help others who are over there. I know where we were, there's still many towns around where Alejandro Bernabeo is now ministering and, and uh, they've no, no, no witness at all. They've never heard this message of the gospel. Praise God, it has the internet now and the message goes out over the internet and praise God that gives the people, those Catholic people, at least the opportunity to listen through the internet to hear what the message is that we're telling before they have to come in, before they come into the church. Because I know there's an awful fear of anybody seeing going into a Protestant church where we lived. But pray for him that others would be raised up to take that message and that they would see many more brought unto the Savior. The Bible says, How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? This prophet was sent of God. He was given the message. We have a message. A wonderful message. It's the message of the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. It is the power of God to transform their lives. That they would be born again and given new life in Christ. That they would live forever and ever. Do you believe it? Have you ever told that story of Jesus, the mighty to save? May the Lord richly bless you here. May many more be raised up to help out in the children's meetings, help out in the Sunday school, help out in whatever way we can to get the message out to the people. They must realize that pale horse is coming. Death could come at any moment in time. Death is struck, I heard, in the prayer meeting even this week. Who knows who could be tomorrow? Friend, the main thing for you is that you're ready. That if death comes, you'll go straight to heaven. That is the main thing. And you can know that. You can know that by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have his word. We have the word that tells us the truth. The word that gives us these promises. And the Lord has promised that he that believeth 
shall be saved. Saved from hell, saved from death, saved from eternal death. And he'll know sins forgiven. He'll know that wonderful peace that passes all understanding. To know that should death come, I'm going to a far better place to be there for all eternity.